0: Štan an indó askeige e
1: Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win fis turmi ara
0: igornamion a gin ná grh ááchttum fracht séthrin grn
1: Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under-20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core.
0: Hello and welcome to the ThrowIn Independent.ies GA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. Unfortunately, Michael Verney is still recuperating from a hurling injury, but I'm joined in studio by Connor McKeown of The Herald and Martin Brenny of The Irish Independent, as well as on the line by tip legend Brendan Cummins. And Connor, what a weekend we had of all Island hurling semi-finals. For I think the second year in a row, we were treated to two absolutely cracking games. And I saw you were trying to rank the best ones of this decade on your Twitter feed. It's a it's an almost impossible task, but the two games we had over the weekend, Tipperary and Kilkenny coming out on top once again. But I don't think anyone would have predicted at the start of the championship that this would be the final pairing. No, definitely not. I'm just remembering the I'm just remembering the roadshow we did a few weeks ago when the six was up on
3: stage predicting the Kilkenny-Cork game and there was five knots for Cork and the sixth was for Kilkenny and it was JJ Delaney and I think JJ only predicted Kilkenny so he didn't get lynched by the locals. so And it's a an incredible turnaround for Kilkenny um, and it was a remarkable performance during our night in, in a lot of ways. like They started so well sort of warmed into the game and when Limerick came back they just did enough to kind of hold them off and same with Tipperary yesterday I, I honestly like starting the day I thought Tipperary were going to win the game at half time I wasn't sure and when they went to, down to 14 men and Wexford went five up I was sure Wexford were going to win it and then they came back and that bench I remember having a conversation with somebody last week and saying look if Tipperary are going to win the All-Ireland they're going to have to come back through at least one probably two tight games and in a tight game you need your bench." And we we actually named the players who came on yesterday uh, as being not up to the the required standard to make a big impact off the bench. And lo and behold, they they gave them exactly that impact off the bench. So um, it's a huge turnaround and it's a massive victories for for Liam Sheedy and Brian Cody as managers because I don't think too many people had these two pegged as All-Ireland finalists after the provincial finals.
0: Yeah, Martin, we'll start with, I guess, yesterday's game first. I know you were on match report, duty for the Irish Independent, so you'll have a good, I guess, insight in, into what unfolded. And as Connor said, the bench towards the end had a huge impact for Tipperary, especially, I think, uh, around the 50th minute mark. Lee Ching got that goal. Tip had been reduced to fourteen a couple of minutes earlier. It looked for all money that Wexford were going to kick on, maybe get to that first final since '96. But then twelve points to one two uh, over the next you know twenty so or so minutes. So it was a fantastic
1: kind of recovery from
0: Tipperary uh, to get over the line.
1: Yeah, I, the, the, the bench was very it was very good. But I thought um, Noel McGrath, Brendan Maher, I thought lads like that really stood up as well. And, I'll have to declare an interest here in that I, I tipped Tipperary to win the All-Island and our Championship preview magazine last May because I thought two things. I didn't tip Kilkenny, I have to say, to me in the final, but I thought the thing about Tipperary was, see, there's a great tendency uh, to, to be impressed or deflated by the last thing you've seen. And I thought there was an overreaction last year to Tipperary not qualifying for uh, getting out in the top three. I mean, it happened Galway, the way Leinster this year. It can happen so easily. that the, the margins are that tight. So when Tipperary got their game going, they were always going to be just as, as right up there because there's so little between seven, and eight of the, t- the, the teams. And It was the same like yesterday when, when even even when Wexford got that were, were five points ahead, you thought the Tipperary that, to break that, that, were, that were, they were able to pick off points. What they were able to do it all day, and you know, so it was it was you, you wouldn't again. You sort of put fourteen men. and Look at their their. Uh, they're under pressure but the way Western were playing and the way the, the, the modern game and any game is to play is not just the modern game the extra man doesn't really seem to count a whole lot other players step up they take extra responsibility and suddenly you don't even know there's an extra man there so Tipper are very very impressive there's no doubt at all about that And uh, but that wasn't to be expected no more other than say Kilkenny on Saturday again you know people were judging Kilkenny Tendency to judge them on the, on the four in a row and maybe the all Islands after that the two in a row after that but they hadn't gone away I mean they were they won the league last year They, they lost to Galway in, in the Leinster final replay, they lost to Limerick, to, 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 who went on to win the All Ireland by two points in the quarter final. So they hadn't gone away. There's so little between them. So I don't think it's any great surprise at all that, that Tip and Kilkenny are in, are in the, the final because uh, they were they were there all, they were there all along. They hadn't gone away. And be, people are inclined to get carried away sometimes when uh, when, when somebody else comes and wins in All Ireland.
0: Well, I'll bring in Brendan Cummins on the line uh, now, Brennan, So do, do you share Martin's sentiments? Like, should we be surprised? You know, in the end, that these two teams have come out of the semi-finals.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> surprise, I suppose, with Kilkenny. I think when Tipperary lost the Munster final, and the greatest great respect to Leeson <clears throat> and Wexford, who Tipper are going to be playing next, I did see a chink of light. Because when you're in a alarm semi-final and it's coming down the home straight, the big question is, do you believe you can win the match? And I could see the belief starting to fizzle out of Wexford. And uh, the closer they got to it, we had it ourselves in 2008 uh, when we played Watford. You know, we, we, we were so desperate to get to that final. That we forgot the process that would get you there. We're a way different animal, obviously. You know, nine and ten. Then, so it's a big learning curve, I think, for Wexford. So I always fancy Tipperary's maturity. The bench certainly were the ones that gave him the turbo boost to get him over the line. But if you think back as well to the Leinster final, you could say Wexford fell over the line in that one as well because Kilkenny. We all highlighted the last seven or eight minutes; they went for goals, but you just felt Tipperary were going to go pint for pint for pint, keep your leg in the game, we'll get a goal, which they did. And unfortunately, Jake Morris was disallowed. But that's the trick with Liam Sheedy. He will back these guys to the very end. Himself and his backroom team had done an amazing job because they were getting slaughtered inside and outside Tipperary after the Munster final. You're finished. Everyone started saying they're too old again. All this rubbish started to come back out around it. But I just felt, based on the way the draw was set for them, that they would pick it up. And, and thankfully, now they're in the final. Kilkenny for me, though, are I can't believe that they had bet Cork. And then I said, right, they've had their one big game. Now now Limerick won't get caught, we'll call it. But I don't think Limerick got caught as such. It's just that Kilkenny were just too strong for him in that first quarter. Left themselves too much to do. And you have to hand it to Brian Cody. Kept his half-back line in place. Stopped the counter-attack game that Limerick normally do. Go with. And then we were caught in the fog, as we always know. Kilkenny, I suppose, can do to you. No matter what decade of players you're playing against. And uh, I think the two best teams now have ended up in the final because they've shown enough drive and determination and composure in the big moments of matches, I think these two teams have done it, and that's why they're in the final.
0: And Conor, just to, to talk about, uh, you know, the losers yesterday, Wexford, you know, as I said, that you know, they had that great advantage with a cup with 20 minutes to go. It looked like they were going to kick on. They didn't use the extra man, you know, very well. Davey himself, you know, acknowledged afterwards that he thought it actually favoured Tipperary. Um, you know, f- what, what do you pinpoint as to why they let the game slip away having gotten to such a good position and then getting another goal later on to go three points clear with about 10 minutes to go? Yeah, I
3: think you have to give Moses a credit to Tipperary rather than taking anything from Wexford. As Brendan says, it, Like it was a huge... The teams that haven't been in all our little finals, it's such a huge kind of psychological barrier to to get across. Uh, and I think what Brendan says there is very true. Like there's a there's a touch of the desperation going into it. Um, I don't know that they move off script necessarily, but, you know, you could see, and I know the lads highlighted last night in the Sunday game where Kevin Foley kind of sat in behind his full back line rather than going out to the D. Uh, and I think they were probably in the, the headspace where, look, we're five points up here the opposition are down to 14 men, we can kind of slowly tinker our way or kind of almost preserve our way to the final whistle um, and just, you know, end up one point ahead in the scoreline. But you saw what happened was just, like, the, the grit of the... Tipperary team was incredible. Their backs, the entire half-back line, like so there were balls going in, there were potential goal chances for for Wexford that or the Tipperary players kept coming out with every single time. Paddy Meyer I thought had a heroic game. I thought uh, Ronan Maher did too and Brendan Maher all across that line. So it just came down to players having to step up and you know win hard balls and and come out and and get the scores. But again like the players off the bench it wasn't just that they got those scores, it was the quality of those scores at the end. Um you Know Willie Connors, obviously, his score was brilliant as well. Um, and Jake Morris's point, I mean, you know, if, if you were to if you were to show us the starting Tipperary forward line and the finishing Tipperary forward line, you'd have said going into that game yesterday, well, then they're going to be uh much weakened by the time the last 10 minutes come around. But if anything, they kind of gave them fresh legs, and, and that's a new departure for this group of players. You know, we we last year it was kind of said, or um, people sort of jumped to the conclusion that Tipperary just didn't have a big enough squad. That's why... They found the going so hard in Munster, and this year they looked a little bit lost when they looked at the bench in the Munster final. But
0: going into this All Ireland final now, I think they're in great shape. And I guess one thing that was a big talking point afterwards were some of the refereeing decisions. I know there were three goals just allowed, the last of which, when Jake Marsh put the ball in the net after free was was brought back for free, seemed particularly contentious. You know, from your perspective, do you think there was fair criticism of the referee? Do you think he got the decisions right? What, what, what well, you? that
1: one was very hard to understand. I must admit, because. Um, um, why wasn't it allowed? Nothing had, it was a free in. There was no advantage to, to Prairie being brought back. And even then I thought that he had signaled for a penalty. But uh, that one certainly, uh, the, the, that was bad. I think in the refereeing in general, there's always a tendency you know, to, to, to home in on, on, on specific incidents. But it is absolutely impossible for any referee to referee a hurling game. You're covering three acres of ground. Think of it, three acres in a day like yesterday. The ball is moving at such a, a pace. How the hell can one man do it? and this is we've talked about this before whether there should be two referees there's a clear case for having two referees because they're talking about VAR. Now. I can't see how VAR will work. Whatsoever. Michael
0: Verney it, making the argument. Yes, in the I saw that. Paper. I
1: saw that. But the point is, and I, I, I thought Michael might be here because I want to take this up with him. <laughs> and this, where do you, where do you, where does VAR stop and finish? Because we have, uh, you could say to, to, was, a, was a foul inside a square or whatever. Even that won't be clear called VAR. But what about the hand pass? I need the hand passing on the way up that, that led to that. I, my phone is full of examples of it from yesterday, of the ball being thrown, and we can we can say well that's the game it's not that it, rule has been broken more than, every single game has been broken a dozen or more more times and yet VAR won't solve that so if, if you if you brought it in uh, would, 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 would you be able to say well let's go back and have a look at the hand pass and see was it, was it, was it, was it proper it's different in rugby for instance which is a s- the slower moving game uh, that set piece from and even, even then they can go back to the 22 to see whether it a forward pass or whatever and the game is full of, st- of stop start anyway in-hauling VAR simply won't work so what you try to do is have two referees and see does that improve? Have them closer to the action all the time. That, may, in my view, would be a far better uh, su- uh, suggestion.
0: Uh, yeah, I've actually found myself counting the throws now since I've seen you riding over <laughs> there. So I just think of you now when I see all these balls being thrown around. It's hard to want to see it now once someone kind of points it out to you. But uh, Brendan, we'll bring you in on that. Like, what, what did you think of the refereeing and, and Martin's points there?
2: Look, it wasn't look, it wasn't great, um and in both days really. I suppose <laughs> yesterday especially they looked very, very jumpy, they looked a little bit out of his depth for all the world. But again though, when you take what we they're bombarded what we spoke about it last night, the Sunday game, my eyes in the back of your head. There's so much going on, but you could take time keeping out of their hands, the paperwork and subs coming in. Scores and all that kind of stuff. The referees really should be just implementing the kind of the rules of the game while the ball is in play, rather than all this admin stuff that's going on around it as well. And plus, too, like there's a fourth official on the line, and I know from standing on the line, you go up the line, you start scream at the fourth official, and you go, Ah, oh, jeez, that was wide, or that was whatever free. Oh, I know, but you look at your sure, I know. Look, what can you do? <laughs> that's kind of what sit you. you know what I mean? Sit down, you oh, are all God's children, kind of thing. You know, and that kind of stuff is is there. So, what is the role of the fourth official in all this? As well, like they're all mic'd up. I think there's an open mic all around the pitch between the linesman, umpires, and the fourth official. And I think yesterday, it's fair to he used it very well for the McDonnell goal because he delayed. And I think it was Callum Lines was the was the, the the linesman on the Hogan stand side, and I think he was the one who made the call to say, "Look, it's it wasn't a square ball because he looked to he, he had his hand close to his ear. He looked out to the sideline, glanced." and obviously he was getting some bit of instruction and that's fine there is no problem in the world with that we'll wait 10-15 seconds I don't think that VAR works I think two referees is the way forward but then the ethos of the GA starts at grassroots so if there's one rule in Crow Park we suddenly have a separation to the rules down in the club and I'm not so sure we're ready to make that leap within the GA yet and I can't see a junior be a match next Friday night and tipping. and they're trying to gather two refs it's hard enough to get one But, but Brenta, so that's going to be the thing
1: But Brenda, it has happened with, uh, with Hawkeye I mean and you have Hawkeye in Crowe Park and Hawkeye in in, um, in Thurless but you don't have in Wexford Park or even Parky-Keefe let's not mention no, the war No, that's the argument Absolutely, that
2: is the, argument, yeah. Yeah. That is the yeah. argument for it but I, I, I just feel that and, and this could be the pushback from the GA, is that are we starting to go into the whole elitist stuff and that is exactly where we are and it has to go there because if you take it both teams yesterday or the, the teams in the quarterfinals, semifinals of these elite sports. They're giving up nine months of their life to get to here. They're living like hermits. They're doing everything right. There's a lot of money being invested from county boards and sponsors. There's there's supporters paying a lot to go to the matches. So all we want is fair play. And if you can take out the variable that a bad decision might, might do you in this game, well then I think I'm all for trying to do that and help referees because if you're a youngster watching yesterday you're going home and sitting in the back seat of the car dad and mam or the uncle are sitting in the front going that ref that ref that ref I tell you if I got that ref now that young going there is no way in this world I'm going to be a ref I'd rather be a fella missing freeze and be taken off and be a ref out in the middle of that now so we need to make refereeing attractive as well and I think that's, that will definitely help and take a bit of pressure off and and help people to promote our game as I said last night to future-proof the game because referees like I know we all give out about them but they are a precious commodity as well to be fair
0: and Conor kind of just to finish up on yesterday's game Davy Fitz after the game talked about his future said he doesn't know if he'll come back next year they, you know, obviously there was kind of a party sent down to Six Mile Bridge last summer to convince him to come back do you think this, this will be the end of his time in Wexford? I honestly don't know. Um I think Davey by his nature tends to
3: sort of create those own questions about his future at the end of each season anyway. Um, I think like if you look through the, the if you look through his interviews at the end of the respective seasons that he's been managing, he has tended to do that. Like he certainly did it last year. Um, whether that's to give him more leverage when it comes to around, like, like as we spoke about before, when when the Wexford players went down to Bridge last year uh, and begged them to come back, Davy knew there and then that he could ask anything of them uh, and they would have to do it because they requested him to come back. So I, again, I don't know whether it's whether it's a case of leverage. You got the sense yesterday from the Wexford players that they put put a huge amount into this. Season um, and obviously winning the Leinster title is something to come back, look back on and reflect particularly, um, particularly well on. But uh, I mean, they had a great chance and they just looked a small bit inexperienced yesterday. And um, I mean, they could always kick on, they could always improve, but um, you just don't know. It's 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 it, like I, I would imagine Davey would be the one that'll make the decision himself. But it's it, he's a very hard man to read, and
1: I wouldn't be wouldn't be inclined to second guess him just now. Yeah, Martin, what do you think? I'd say he'll stay. Uh, they, made, they made progress this year and mind. The, of, of the three years that he's been there as well they've, they've, they've stayed in the, in the top six as it was at the time in the league so yeah. they've been consistent there they've, they've won the Leinster title for the, the first time in, what, in 2004 that's progress they were beaten by Tipperary who may well go on to win the All-Ireland lost by two points won't score I think it's progress and uh, I'd be very, very surprised if he went because on top of it, he he loves being involved so much, and there aren't many options out there. It's not like maybe in football where there are more there are more uh, options. I don't think like he's not. Go, there, there's no other county at that level where there are any managerial vacancies likely to occur in, in the immediate future. I'd be very very surprised if he. We'll if, oh, have a little bit of toying and froing perhaps over the next few months, but I'd say come January he'll be back in the sideline again.
0: Yeah, Brennan, as Martin says like Davy does love to be involved into county hurling, and maybe if there was a, a vacancy or two, he might be more willing to to call it a day. But it does seem that. The best place for him could be Wexford, considering how close they were this year.
2: Yeah, he, look, Davey has to stay full stop. I mean, they have to move heaven and earth down in Wexford to keep. And I think he will. You know, he's uh, he's got a great relationship with those players down there. You know, it's 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 like father-like figure to them. And, um, you know, I don't see him going anywhere. Um, this year, the big turning point for me and uh, and the Wexford project for Davy was in... Um, when they played above in Salt Hill, they went behind, gave put-up into the stand and the players responded. As a manager, you know it's time to go. If you go two or three points down and the players let go of the rope, then you say to yourself, right, that's it. They've down tools on me. They don't believe in me. But these players like they would go through a brick wall for Davy, and they're probably hurting so much this morning not because they, they lost yesterday for themselves but they'll be hurting because Davy lost yesterday because he does a lot for them behind the scenes he's a he's a fantastic manager a great man we can all give out about his systems and all that and that's part of the, cut and trust of the game but you can't get away from the fact that Davy loves the players he does everything he can to help him on and off the field and I just hope that he stays with Wexford next year because they still have a lot to build on based on the experience of coming down the home straight all Ireland to me finally. It'd be terror to throw away that experience with a big change now.
0: I remember to go back to Saturday night's game, the Kilkenny versus Limerick, the All Ireland champions uh, knocked out. And you know Brian Cody very well, like you know you covered his whole career. You were involved with his book. You know where does this rank among his greatest achievements? And a lot of people are saying if they were to win the All Ireland, it would be up there. You know even better
1: than the four in a row potentially. Um, it, well, it certainly would, would be right up there because I suppose the 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 the, the quality. Of, uh, Vis-à-vis what he had, isn't there? Now he would dispute that, and always, always had say, you know, what you're, you, you that there's a tendency to look back on other generations and say they were better than the current generation or whatever. But absolutely, I mean, you know, the Limerick beat them out the gates in in the in the league this year, and there were people saying, oh, they're in terrible trouble and this, that, and the other, and. There was no sense of that in Kilkenny. and there's no sense of it. I, I was there at that match, and there was no sense among the Kilkenny public about it. I have to say, that they 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 they're, they're very, they're very patient like that. Even though they won so much, and that things have gone obviously not in the last few years, they hadn't won. But they 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 could see what was going on, and they they understood that, that give give a time, give give Cody time, give the players time as well. And you could see how how they've come on. But the the one thing that reminded me very much yes on Saturday. Of Kilkenny against Cork in 2006, All-Island Final, Cork had won the the two in a row and they had this new passing system and the whole lot and it was supposed to be the most sophisticated thing of all time and they were going to dominate Hurlingford ad infinitum around that time. And, and the Kilkenny players, they got on their faces. And I remember doing the book of Brian Cody, and the one thing he said, he wanted them to be a black and amber blower on their faces. Wherever a, a, a Cork player got that, that's what he wanted. And it was the exact same on Saturday evening. Everywhere Limerick player turned, there were two Kilkenny men. How the hell they got there, I don't know. But they were in their faces all through. And that's what Kilkenny are so so good at doing. That they just now there's more to it than that. Obviously, they're extremely ho- talented, skillful team as well. But that level of and I won't say intensity. It's just it's just. That that ferocity to get to the to the point of the action and that's what they did so so well. Now they were helped by Limericks uh, while shooting, and you could say well that was the pressure they were under. In some cases they weren't, uh, and, and the Leinster final claimed claim themselves were guilty of that. They lost, missed a lot of chances, but um, it's right up there if if they win the island. There's no doubt whatsoever about that because uh, uh, I would say it's more competitive than perhaps it was around two thousand and six as well. There are more teams capable of winning the All Ireland.
0: And Conor's Martin points out there, you know, the old Kilkenny ferocity was on display. It was like that classic Cody performance, especially in that opening, maybe 20 minutes. I think they went 1 8 to 2 points up. Limerick ball car is just being sworn by two, three men, being dispossessed. And, you know, it kind of got more even after that. But that opening 20 minutes was as good as Kilkenny have played since their heyday, maybe 10 years ago.
3: Yeah, and like <clears throat> whatever about the sleeknesses they're hurling and their, their their accuracy from shots, like it all came from what Martin talks about. You can call it intensity, it's probably the most overused word in GA analysis, but that's essentially what it was. Like, if you take the, the Limerick half forward line, who I think in the Munster final scored 1 9 between them, uh, at the weekend they got. W- one, a single point from Gro he- Hegarty between them and Ho- Hegarty and Tom Morrissey were taken off and Kyle Hayes went back to do a man-marking job at DJ Reid at one stage in the first half and the full back line, the Limerick full back line that were being sort of widely anointed potentially one of the greatest of all time after the Munster final they got taken for, must have been 1-8 or 1-9 from the Kilkenny inside forward line so it was that all classic case of you go after the opposition's strengths uh, and really try and put them on the back foot there and like as Brendan said, like the, the the Kilkenny hat back line didn't move, so you know they stood their ground. Limerick have won an All-Ireland, a Munster title, and a league out of swarming that middle eight and winning a huge number of collisions and coming away with rook balls, but they, they got destroyed there. and Their puck out as well, um, I think there was six or seven long puck outs for Nicky Quaid in the first half that Kilkenny swept up, and that's where Kilkenny got an awful lot of the energy for that um, uh, early performance to stretch so far away. Limerick are too good, we knew that they would come back at it. But at that stage it was a one eight to two points or one seven to two points at that stage. Like that's a that's a long way back. And um when you hit as many wides as Limerick did as well, it kind of does kill your momentum. Like they had five chances to level it, they'd three in a row, and then they had um Dermer Burns' long range free and the sideline at the end, which obviously should have been a sixty-five. But I think, you know, in as much as you'd have sympathy for a team that uh, suffers a bad call. Uh, when they should have got a 65 and a chance to level it, I think over the course of the match, there's nobody arguing this morning that anything other than a Kilkenny victory was a, a very just result.
0: Yeah, Brennan, they led from the first minute to, to the last. You know What, what impressed you most about uh, how they got the victory?
2: Well, when, I, when you play Limerick, your half-forward line have to beat the Limerick half-forward line because the two of them meet in the middle of the pitch. And if whoever's half-forward line can come out on top, that gives the half-back line the right to hold. So if you take it Walter, TJ and Donlan. Pete, Hayes, uh, Morrissey uh, up, a, up a stick, really, you know, and Hegarty. They they won that middle third, and that gave, we'll say, Padraig, Walsh, Deegan, and Fogarty then were allowed to stand back. But if it happened the other way around, they would have had to engage in around the middle, and then it would have been a different game. But it's just that dogged determination that Kilkenny have. Like, TJ doesn't miss a free. He wanders out under the Cusick stand, cuts a line ball over the bar. And it's just so efficient. And then when Walter stands back on nearly his own 65 and he's saying, right, you can't poke the ball down the right wing now anyway. And I was very surprised that Nicky Quaid didn't play through 5 and 7 in the orthodox wing-back positions. It's something Limerick haven't done. Normally, Burns will come back and collect the ball in his own 21 and they'll work it out along with Finn or English from there. But they'd very, very seldom have walked the ball through five and seven over the corner forward, who was trying to, to shield that pass we'll set. And even when Quaid went down with the contact lens or his eye, or whatever name of God it was, it was obvious they were told you have to go short. But when they went short, the puck out was poor. The distribution after that was poor and just put back over the bar. So they, you suddenly in the goals then find, my God, I'm in a storm here. I better go along. I better go along. We better just protect ourselves for a while. And in actual fact, a bit like Wexford, they stopped attacking the game through what they're good at, which is running the ball through the lines. And if it goes wrong once, if it goes wrong twice, so what? Just keep running and running and eventually you'll get there. And only when Kyle Hayes came back did they get that fluidity in their play that we're used to seeing. Because in fairness, Declan Hannan was no way right for the first half of that match. So they were really only playing with five backs and one and, and one of those happened at the back that was at his weakest was marking probably the best player Kilkenny had, and that got Kilkenny a foothold in the game. and As I know, to my to my cost too often, if they get their nose ahead of you and, the, and their gander up and their nail and tackles all over the place, it's very hard to get out of that vice.
0: Yeah, Martin, I guess with Limerick's defeat, it's now maybe the three last All-Ireland winners. You had Tipperary, Galway and Limerick, all of whom after winning that All-Ireland were talked up as a team that could maybe go on and dominate, win two or three in a row. And all three on all three occasions, they haven't got the job done. It, 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 I know you you kind of always give out about people kind of reading too much into things
1: like that, but uh, it is funny how it's how it's worked out. Yeah, I suppose it, it's just the standards of so high. We were having this conversation, and, and even with uh, you know with Kelly and Limerick. You know, in that last second, that ball could have uh, been flicked to the net, and they were talking about a different, a different, different uh, a different result in a different game, and we're we're saying how come Limerick's great tenacity, and they hung on and they won, and the margins are so tight. I don't think they've ever been a my long many years covering that you haven't had. We've never had as many counties at the at the, at the top level, so that's why it's so harder to win. It's uh, the a royal Kenya are the only ones who've done it. They've done it consistently, but I would say around the time they were, they were winning them, and perhaps in suddenly that six to eight time or six to nine the standard wasn't as good elsewhere. Now that's not to take away from them whatsoever but certainly the standard wasn't as good in Leinster. So uh, it's just so tight, it's so hard to do now and I mean Limerick looked, certainly looked as if they were, were poised to, to well give themselves a right, uh, decent chance and go, get into the final but uh, that this can happen the one point one, like they won the All-Ireland last year by one point got away, beaten by a point didn't even get in the top three in Leinster this year that's the way it is and, and it could be the same in this year and time next year Tip might not even get out in the, the top three in Munster or Kilkenny in Leinster and, very and very tight for,
0: and for Limerick after you know kind of laying waste of teams in the league winning the Munster title you know they were they were upset by a team they were expected to beat. They've they've ended up losing three games in the championship, so they they won't be pleased at all with how they, their All Ireland defence unfolded. Obviously they got knocked out, but even across the whole ta- you know, championship.
3: Yeah, the one thing that <clears throat> might
0: be hindsight, but the one thing that you would say, and it's the same thing
3: that was said about Galway last year, is that when you see a team going into an All Ireland semi final as All Ireland champions with essentially the same fifteen, it means that nobody has really kind of come from outside the, the 15 that played the previous year uh, and worked their way back onto the team. It like it, 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 I suppose if you trace the history of, of repeated All-Ireland winners, this tends to bring a player or two through. Now, I know Limerick have brought some different options in off the bench, but, like, look, we weren't saying any of these things after the Munster final. Um,
1: we well, did start with William O'Donoghue and, and Peter yeah, Kayser though, yeah, last yeah, year, so yeah, he, like, that looked as if he said, this refinement will, will, will work. And yeah. Uh, as it happened, it didn't. Yeah,
3: Hannan, I think, was a big loss. Like, I-, I know the way Kilkenny played the ball at the weekend, they, they kind of nearly took him out of the game. But, like, he-, he physically just wasn't right at all. And he's such an important player for them. He is essentially their kind of playmaker at number six. And he couldn't get into the game at all. And he got the sense, like, Graeme O'Connor was kind of keeping Limerick in it. And he got the sense from Aaron Galland that if he actually got a bit more ball, he, he-, he could cut loose. But um, they were just strangled around the middle third. And it was just, it- like, Kilkenny took them out of the game. And uh, we-, we could play that game five more times over the next five weekends. And, and Limerick could win every single one of them, but as Martin says, like it was just on the day that Kilkenny came to the thing, they got ahead and they they saw the saw the game out. But um, you know, and again, like we we always sort of analyse the, the the thing, the subsequent things that all Ireland champions do in this kind of gloss. You know, they're they're going to go on and win great things. But I was in Nolan Park this year when Limerick took Kilkenny apart, and they were brilliant, and they were they looked really good in winning the league and the Munster final performance is still the most impressive individual performance by any team so far in this year's championship. Um, so it's just funny to, to 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 say, like, if you'd have said that day that one of those teams was going to make an all Ireland final and one of them wasn't, there, there weren't too many people that were going to say there was going to be Tipperary and Limerick in the order of that.
0: Yeah, Brendan, uh, there is an interesting statistic that the Munster champions have fared so poorly at, the All Ireland semi-final stage this decade. I think Tip in twenty sixteen are the only Munster champions to win the All Ireland, I think Tip and maybe twenty eleven were the only Munster champions to also make the final. So that's only, I think, two times this decade that you know the Munster champions have gone on to the final. Is there anything to that? Do you think is the long layoff hurting the teams in Munster, or is it just, I guess, a coincidence? I
2: think it's fifteen goals now that um, <laughs> Munster champions have had, and there's been eleven losses so it's um taking quarter finals and all when before you had to go for that route but there is and that five week delay everybody else is playing everybody else is keeping their momentum and it's a tricky one for for limerick i mean the first game they had they had had a long layoff Cork had a game the week before or whatever so they, you could say they were cock cold the game in Turles I discount that out because Limerick had no interest in winning that game the day in Turles for whatever reason they decided look we'll we'll let Chip have this one um, and then of course on Sunday a Saturday night but it's, it's tricky like you know Kilkenny just hit them with everything they had and Looking back on the game, if John Kiley, you're saying to yourself, look, one or two little passes either way would have been enough to get us over the line. So it didn't as if they were a million miles away. They, they were in the first 15 minutes of the game. But after that, then, like they, they won it. But just by not enough. And then even you had the line ball incident, and you say they had a bit of misfortune that they didn't get a chance to equalise and I think certainly if Limerick got to the final haven't gotten that scared the narrative would be that they got their scared they'll beat Tipperary now in the final and that'll be that like you know but you only get one chance and that's what I said at the start with Wexford and and we'll say in Limerick the composure that Tipperary and Kilkenny showed and seeing out the game that's the difference at this stage those fine margins and look Limerick had a, an okay season based on the fact that everybody thought they're going to be back in the final but Martin touched on it earlier you can't take anything for granted and we sit down in January looking to see who's going to come out of Munster next year everyone's going to be saying is Lindbergh's game up do everyone understand now how they're playing is this the Kilkenny model how to get rid of them and will they struggle to get out of Munster it's amazing like what 170 minutes will do to all your hopes and dreams
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and just to wrap up our chat Martin uh, looking ahead to the Ireland final now it's probably a bit too early for a prediction but you know, Kilkenny versus Tipperary who do you think is the advantage at this stage
1: going into the final? Um, I think possibly temporary. I think um, um, I, I, you know the, the way they, the 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 most final they were they were they were well beaten and and obviously that was looked like a serious setback. But I just think there's there's, a, there's more in them and they got a lot, an awful lot of criticism. But when they're playing at, at their absolute maximum, they're they're really hard. They're they they're, 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 they're superb. They're really are the, the forward line are. are and I think that the advantage possibly just rests with them at this stage. Say three weeks to go, and you don't know what will happen in that three weeks, and etc. But it's um, just as now, what I say, maybe, maybe Tip,
3: Connor. I start to of think Kilkenny. Uh, I, I don't know why it's sort of a good instinct. It was, you know, we, we talked about this. Maybe not being the most talented Kilkenny team of all time in comparison to you know the teams that, that decimated Limerick and Waterford in oh seven and oh eight. But if you look at that forward line. Uh, I know Walter Walsh and, and Richie Hogan uh, have been injured all year and even the other night they didn't look at, like they were at maximum capacity but if you take those two players along with Walter Walsh, uh, Colin Fenley and Adrian Mullen, like that's the basis of a really, really serious attack and, and what was most impressive I thought the other night was how the, the defensive leaders, how these players have become the defensive leaders. Like A couple of years ago, you would have seen Paul Murphy as maybe being the big player in that defence but now it's now it's Porrick Walsh and I thought Hugh Lawler had a huge game despite the fact that he was done maybe for a harsh penalty and I thought Joey Holland and Paddy Deegan had their moments as well so um, I don't know why but for some reason for some reason this far out it feels like it could be Kilkenny but um, like we've three weeks and I'm sure I'm sure the I'm sure the wind will blow a couple of different directions between now and then
0: Yeah Brendan who do you think is the advantage? I'm most afraid to say that Tipperary
2: because the last two times I've written, Kilkenny, <laughs> <laughs> my my Twitter feed is nearly blown up telling me that I should break, get a new crystal ball. Um, yeah, I I just I think Tip will do something that Kilkenny won't have had come across playing against Cork and playing against Limerick. Chip will play with a half forward line, and that means then it's man on man inside. So you can't drop back against Tipperary because the half forward line's traditional game. It'll all be the hip-to-hip thing. There will be tactics involved. Yes, of course there will. And they'll be all trying to impose themselves. But first and foremost, it'll be an absolute physical dogfight. But if Tipperary can hold that Kilkenny and keep that Kilkenny half-back line we're interested and in not leaving them sick like they did in the last two matches against Cork and against um Limerick. Then I think inside Cannon uh inside on Hugh Lawler can do damage and, and Jason Ford, John McGrath hasn't really fired in the last three matches and there should be a big game in. He got to sit down uh yesterday and look in and I think it'll give him a good perspective of going look like I, it was the end of the world for me to play a game of hurling, and, but now that I'm sitting out here. do You know what? I might as well make the most of it when I'm out there the next day at the opportunity and don't be worried about the consequences. I'm hoping that'll be going through his head. So based on all that, I think I think Tipperary, but it, it is going to be a hair's breadth between the two of them. One break of a ball, as usual, when we play Kilkenny, or even a, a one of those refereeing decisions, and not dragging up on nine again. But anyway, and <laughs> um, could be the could be the difference. And uh, but it's going to be it's going to be an epic battle
0: again. Well a lot to look forward to in three weeks time. Brennan thanks so much for joining me. Thanks very much guys. Cheers Brennan thanks. So we'll quickly chat football on the throne in association with Board Gosh Energy Connor, mm-hmm. the last round of the Super 8 uh, coming up this weekend. dublin Tyrone, and Oma Kind I guess a bit of a dead rubber just to decide who will be playing who in the semi-final. Um, do you expect both teams to be kind of fairly well rotated?
3: Well I think Tyrone are the interesting ones. Um, I think there's no doubt that Dublin will go at that game. Jim Gavin will go at that game one hundred percent. Because last year he, I think he dropped, uh, he rested sorry, ten players for the last game of the Super Eights, but it was against Ross Common who were gone, uh, and I think Dublin could have fielded any team that day and they would have beaten Ross Common, uh, and they were playing six days later. Now, if they win, obviously they'll be playing six days later after they play Tyrone, but I think if you look at the Galway example last year, I'm not sure Dublin could go up to Tyrone and sort of half try and lose the game and then simply sort of flick a switch and get it together for six or seven days later. So, um, like, Jim Gavin would be very conscious of the fact that Dublin have a last championship match in five years and I think he'll bring a strong team. Like, if there's guys with knocks, you know, that could be exacerbated by playing a competitive match so soon before an All-Ireland semi-final, you would imagine they would be left out. But just even outwardly, it doesn't look like Dublin have a particularly long injury list. So So you
0: you expect to see Fenton, Kenny, McCaffrey... Yeah, yeah, I I, I think
3: Dublin would go with probably somewhere between 12 and 14 of the players that will take the pitch in an All-Ireland semi-final. But the interesting thing is Tyrone because like Tyrone did a job on Dublin this year in the league in Crow Park playing a style of football that they were subsequently found out by Donegal in the Ulster semi-final and they've now reverted to type. So it'd be very interesting to say what way Tyrone approached that game, whether they, they try and run the ball through the lines or they go more direct to McShane and maybe Matty Donnelly again. And I just wonder whether Mickey Hart will sort of think, well, we might beat Dublin once this year, but what are the odds of actually beating them twice if they got to an All-Ireland final? So I think, there's more question marks over how Mickey Hart will approach that game than Jim Gavin because um, I'll be absolutely certain that Jim Gavin will go all guns blazing to Ulmer next weekend. I don't think there's any
1: question about that.
0: Some interesting subplots there, including maybe we will see Dean McConnelly involved in the squad.
1: Yeah, maybe. But just before we come to that, I mean, there are interesting subplots that are, are uh, they don't really do it for me. I must say because I think <laughs> they're, 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 it's a, it's, a, it's a non-event of a game. It really doesn't matter no more than Cork and Cork and Roscommon is a complete non-event. Uh, me and Kerry. Academic only because a credible situation that Mead can't qualify and it might do some damage to carry. But I mean, people are saying the jury are out on the on the super eights. Well, if I'm on the jury, I'm in, and I'm. I'm to, I think it's it's an absolute washout having super eights, having round robin this time of the of the of the of the, um, the championship right before the, the semi finals. If you're going to have that thing, you rechanged to change the system and you have it at the start of the championship. But having it at this late stage, I don't know any other sport in the world where you do that and where you effectively have games that are. Not real games. You have games that don't count. You have games that maybe uh, shadow boxing going on up in Oma. So it just doesn't do it for me. The one the big one, of course, is in is in Castlebar. But yeah, I mean, it would be a chance for for Tim Gavin to play. Uh, James Conley. I think he will play quite a few of the I'm not calling them fringe players, but he's so many good players. Like wh- why I, I, he, why risk all the all the front lines on a narrow pitch up in Healy Park or whatever? You know. So I'd say I'd say uh, he, he will he will use a lot of uh, quite a few of his of the uh, of the top. 24 that he has and there's much difference between a lot of them and what about martin's point there and just kind of
0: the the nature of the super eights it's i had high hopes for this year's super eights because i think
3: before we were starting the championship uh, I could make a case for at least six or seven teams being competitive along with Dublin maybe not necessarily with Dublin but certainly with each other uh, and I didn't envisage a situation where you'd have so many irrelevant games going into the final round and that's just like kind of team it to any sort of competition it, it, it doesn't work and like you, even the situation where I'm sure they won't mind but they're in a the similar situation last year if Dublin win in Oma they play in All-Ireland semi-final six days later and like it's a first it's a first stretch you can I'm sure they won't drum up a whole pile of national sympathy or anything like that but like you know having to go and play that game so soon before an All-Ireland semi-final I mean the the, the longest any team is going to have is going to be eight days whichever team wins or whichever team's top the other group uh, on Saturday so they'll have eight days to the All-Ireland semi-final so like it's a very narrow uh, time frame and it does kind of call into and like if you've if, if teams that are going into these dead rubbers, and then you're playing an All in semi finals six or seven or eight days later. Like it does call into question the validity of these matches this weekend. And like the, the attendances for what will be essentially the third last weekend
1: of the football championship will be dire next weekend. But the other thing as well, Connor. I mean, it, it's not really the Superaders is a misnomer because it's not the eight best teams in the country. I mean, Cork are there by, by they, they beat Limerick and they beat Leash, who were in Division Three this year. Uh, that, that's uh, me. They were in Division Two. Meanwhile, you have, say, uh, Galway, who are in Division 1 and out because of the way Galway knocked out by Mayo. So it's not the, the top eight counties necessarily. and it, So it's based on the, it, the old provincial system is still kicky at, at this stage. It still has an input into it. So I think... Um, it, it's going for a third year, but I think it's very much it, it, if when you have non-event games. That was the one thing that GA people do not like is dead rubbers, and we'll have one. How many people will go to Parky Parky Ryan? Parky isn't even open. How many very people go I to Parky Rind suggest. for us? And Cork? but yes. even
3: the situation where Dublin, like I mean, there's nobody can make a case for Dublin playing two games in Crow Park as being fair. But when the two games are the first two games in the group. You, they're definitely going to beat anybody so like r- regardless of who they're playing in those two first games they're going to be through going into the final round of games so it's like it's like it, it, it's it's I, I can't I don't think the GA have been unlucky. I think this is a problem of their own making.
0: Uh, what did you make of Kieran Whelan's suggestion to make it five teams in each group, because uh, and then have the the top team go into the semi-finals and two and three playoff to to get there, and then it would maybe eliminate dead rubbers towards the Yankees Teams will still have more to play. You will for.
1: never eliminate dead rubbers in, in in Rowan Robin. That is that, and that is one of the problems. Saying what if you had eight fours or whatever in in the. the Scrap the provincial champion. You will never eliminate them. But it's wherever. you I think you have to have them earlier in the competition, not at this late stage. That's that's the point. Like we have, we've had a lot of knockout uh, up to now, and then we we stop and we have this round robin thing. Um, it looked like a, a decent idea like to have a go at it, but it, uh, to me, it's in the second season. We had dead rubbers last year. We have this, and, and Conor was right. I mean, a team playing six days after after uh, playing their last game. Again, why is it so tight? I I know I think uh, it gets its final year next year and I think uh, yeah, good luck with I, that. I think
3: the hope was that you would have two days like we had the last day, of the Leinster Football hurling championship, you know, where the two games were going on at the same time and. It was massive excitement to find out what the result was in the other venue and all the permutations that were happening at the same time but it hasn't happened and uh, like if you're taking a review at the end of two years it's been a flap so I mean it would need something pretty spectacular to happen next year I think for it to to preserve in its current format
1: I suppose as well the, the, the other one the, the other one is the other game in Castle bar is is, is uh, I suppose is the the upside of it it's a real old-fashioned mm-hmm a quarter final knockout game actually it's as simple as that you know, The other draw would do, what's your do prediction win. there i think mayo will win oh. I, I do i i think this is a as i said an old fashioned quarter final knockout game and castlebar will will be helped them. I that they've had two weeks i think they're they're building uh, they've built qu- uh, quite well again and i think uh, uh, again there's there's always the Tennessee you know Ulster champions and they've all. have done very well against Kerry and roscommon didn't or sorry, mayo didn't but in castlebar one off uh, knockout this time of coming into August, I think uh, I think Mayo will, May will win that.
3: Yeah, I was sort of thinking along the same lines, but I mean, until now, if you're going on form, Gall are going to win. Um, like that, They've ticked an awful lot of boxes this year, and in every situation that they've been in in the Championship, their big players, Ryan McHugh, Paddy McBriarty, and Michael Murphy, have got them out of the situation. Like those three are really in, in the hold of their health. They're in the best form of their lives just now, and I think in Sean Patton, Kickouts are going to be a huge thing. Sean Patton gets his kickouts away so quickly, and if you look at the tra- trajectory of his kicks, I was up in Bali Buffet that day, and me just couldn't lay a hand on them. And they 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 actually create goal chances with them when the opposition press up. whereas If you look at David Clark that day when he was down in 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 uh, Killarney, and Kerry pushed up on them, he has that kick, and it's kind of high floating one. And by the time it gets to the receiver, there's two or three players around them. So I think like. I know there's an awful lot of emphasis on kickouts these days, but it'll be an interesting. Um, it'll be an interesting dynamic in but, that game.
1: Connor, can I ask you if it was one on one with a forward on, on Sean Patner on David Clark? Who'd you back? Oh, to Car- see Clark
3: every single time. But I suppose it comes down to how many goal chances you generate, you know, in that sort of situation. Clark, his shot stopping has been incredible. Even the day that the penalty, um, the last day, you are just absolutely certain that he was going to save it as well. But um, I don't know. Like I, I, I can, I could see Mayo. I can see Mayo winning it. Um, I'm not as certain as Martin is. But well,
1: I'm what so It was just in, in Castlebar. I think that is. I think they'll turn that into a real yeah. uh, siege mentality. And 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 uh, it's it, the t- record it, is it, poor enough in Castlebar. Yes, Bar, it is. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. But I think that this one, this they can just do something about this. I think. And of course, Tony Gowler, Stephen Rochford, people. I suppose a lot has been made of that. I don't think it'll matter when I order to to uh, to. to uh, Uh, that he knows all about Mayo. I don't think that'll make one. Yeah, I think a
3: lot of it will come down to the Mayo performance, come down to Mm -hmm. the the sort of old, the Warriors that they have. Mm -hmm. Lee Keegan, Colin Boyle, Keith Higgins. These people have bailed them out time and again. Eventually, they're going to stop being able, they're going to lose the capacity to do that because they're getting to that point in their careers. But if they all Produce a big performance. And, and bear in mind, they've had, like, their heads must have been spinning. They played so many matches on so many consecutive weekends, so many big games. Um, started to see the Mead victory out the way they did, and then to have two weeks to prepare for this with players coming back from injury and everything else. I think they're probably going to, like, they're going into it in a serious way. Al- although,
1: of mind. Conor going back a long time now, 1991, the time Mead had all the, remember the, the four in a row matches with Dublin and all their matches, I think they were their 10th or 11th match by the time they got the All Ireland final. And they played week after week after week, and then they had a break to the All Ireland final. The cat and they didn't perform at all mm-hmm. until the second half of the All Ireland final. So sometimes actually, that, that, it, it works very strange. But that you know, a team can, can can they get a break? They're not always they're not they don't always a sort of at, at the pitch of it. So there's that side to it too. But uh, I suppose maybe teams in Mayo's case they just they didn't need a break. They had so much. Of it. But uh, I think there they there'll be a big performance in this Mayo team. Yeah, I'd be
3: surprised if they kind of surrendered their first year back under James Horn meekly. Do you know what I mean? Like they get to the Super Eights, they flop in Killarney, and then they lose at home to Donegal. It'll be that would be a big surprise for this group. of, and of course the
1: draw would do Donegal. I know it might look tight margins. So the draw will do Donegal they, they, if, if, they, if it's a draw, don't call, go through. Yeah.
0: So we'll just finish up now with our board gosh energy rising star of the week. Connor, anyone jump out for you?
3: Yeah, Adrian Mullen. I think he's probably shooting now for young hurler of the year. Um, there was question marks, I think, about after after what he did with. Ballyhale Shamrocks, because he'd never play. whether he could continue that onto the, onto the, to the inter-county stage this year, because I don't think he'd played even any league games. He'd never been part of the Kilkenny panel prior to that. Um, but, you know, just talk about that Kilkenny forward line. There's been so many forwards, if you go through it over the last three or four years, who've come in, played a couple of games, got a bit of a run, but haven't quite nailed down the spot. So there was always going to be a spot going for him there. And I thought he had a great game at the weekend. He had four points from play. One of them was a huge point early in the first half when uh, uh, Tinker Road Hegarty had the ball and he was turned over after getting hit with about four or five different tackles. And he stuck it over the bar. Um, so... He, he kind of profits from the ability of people like Colin Fenley and TJ Reid to be able to win ball Well, he's a, a really really good finisher and he's had a spectacular year so far
0: Martin, anyone for you? Yeah,
1: well, well Jake Morris I suppose he's already risen quite a distance but he's still a very young player still uh uh, last week, as he showed with the goal for the, the that won the, the match, the under-20s for, for uh, Tipperary against Cork. And yesterday he made a big impact when he came on. I mean, he could be, uh, Conor says he mentions the uh, Adrian Mullen, I mean, a good All-Ireland for, for performance by Jake Morris, and doesn't, he may well start. You don't know he could be right up there as well. And bear in mind as well, by the way, Jake Morris hit the post last year against yeah. Clare in the in the, uh, the last qualifier or the last round-robin game against... Uh, if, if that ball had gone to the net, there were seven points up... K- Tipperary would have got back into the All Ireland final. We could have been talking about a completely different situation. It was that much. Jake Morris hit the post. Uh, I think he's, he's he's back this year and uh, he's 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 certainly he's risen. Um, but he's rising a lot more and will rise further still.
0: A very fine margin in this game and a lot to look forward to in three weeks' time. Martin Connor thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time for in the throw-in this week in association with Board Gosh Energy. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week reviewing all the Super 8s action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.
1: board Gosh Energy. Putting customers at the core of Under 20 and Senior Hurling Championship action. Hashtag Hurling to the Core.